This is Bragg, son of Balin, and you're listening to Light the Beacons, a Lotro podcast. Welcome to the world of Middle-earth. shall answer Armandine hail and well met friends welcome back to light the beacons buffoonery is kindled it's a lotro podcast that also dabbles in books movies gaming the lore of J.R. Tolkien as Lucy interpreted by his son Christopher this is episode number six zero a new deck and I am your host brag of the lonely mountain the sultan of shields wipe the earl of aggro Bag of the Quick Post and Dwarf of Ill Repute, broadcasting live from temporary LTB MEWHQ, overlooking the town of Frost Bluff. Let's see what we can see out the windows here. Uh, some of you may know already that if you hop up on the wall by the stable and run along and jump up on the house and then up on the chimney, you get a nice view of the town square. You've got the big uh, swan ice sculptures down below, uh, all the trees decked out in uh, silmarils that look plentiful, I, I suppose. Fireworks going off every 10 seconds, patrons dancing, there's snow tumbling down. It looks like a winter wonderland, of course. It's a wonderful time to spend uh, Yuletide. There's festive cheer everywhere. Why, at any moment you can see, uh, let me see, people wearing 27 wintry Yule caps, uh, local mayors embezzling funds, you've got uh, people begging others to join them in snowball fights or at some atrocious local hobbit play by a bunch of hacks, a steady stream of pickpockets robbing from the local townsmen, uh, there's a dwarf who apparently drinks about a thousand kegs of beer a day, that's a lot of beer, even for a dwarf. Uh, there's people senselessly yelling at yetis off in the snow. Uh, piles of disgusting dishes and slimy food leavings everywhere. Uh, we've got level 105 characters senselessly, senselessly slaughtering wood trolls to harvest them for 24 by 7 bonfires. And uh, what psychopaths they must think we are. Uh, people engorging themselves to the point where they can barely walk and or see. Uh, we've got homeless beggars shuffling off into the snow to die. Uh, very festive. It's the most. It's the most wonderful time of the year. There'll be beggars there, starving and freezing and dying and found with good cheer. Yeah, it sounds like Christmas, all right. Uh, we had met move on to our second beacon of Elanok. I know it's been a while since I've been here, but before we move to Elanok, I do have to mention that uh, you may or may not be listening to or have noticed a change in my audio quality. Uh, some of the little hobbits in the house thought it would be funny to go out and get me uh, some more professional equipment. Apparently they thought my podcast sounded like a lot of clap. Uh, so I am the proud recipient of a ultimate professional USB Yeti blackout microphone 
for a professional recording. Well, if you're going to, you know, get all hoity-toity on me. Uh, the little bar on my display looks bigger. It means I'm probably louder. That means you can play me at low volume on your car stereo. Uh, hopefully, this will be a little less crackly, a little less... Uh, swim Audi, uh, capture a little more fun background noise, including maybe even the sound of Lotro you may hear in the background. Right now all I can hear is fireworks going off every five seconds, but supposedly there's music in Frost Bluff that may pop up occasionally, and uh, this is fun. This thing looks like the real deal. I feel very serious, and uh, yes, I'm going to be now on this podcast is going to be extremely professional so all you viewers out there have been complaining about the sound quality and the visuals uh this should improve the visuals significantly on the podcast so hope you enjoy that uh care of the little uh, hobbits and the bragg household and uh would love to hear feedback. Let me know if it sounds better, sounds worse. I probably have some monkeying to do with the settings. I never had settings before, but now I got stuff like gain and patterns and volumes. It's all very complicated. Um, I'm just a simple dwarf after all. I'm just a caveman. I don't understand your strange USB microphone ways. Uh, as usual, we have uh, a lot of CRAP, corrections, retractions, and apologies from last week to deal with. And uh, last time out, we offended. Jeez, it was so long ago. Uh, I'll just say it's elves. And I can't really remember that far back, but it seems likely that I offended some elves. And to all of those that were offended, um, there's more where that came from. And, uh, you know, this is the new first podcast of the new year. So we're going to have a, some New Year's themes in here, uh, as is traditional. Um, but uh, first, the same old shtick. Viewer comments uh, on iTunes reviews. Let's check the leaderboard. Hang on. Yes, it's uh, the last review of the podcast was left by Orlack of Arkenstone on October 13th of 2016. So he currently has our high score. If you want to join this illustrious vacuum of reviewers, then please, by all means, continue to do absolutely nothing. Uh, what else is going out in the Twitter sphere? Lots of cat videos. Uh, in Community Spotlight, some actually some cool stuff I want to talk about briefly. Um, an article published recently called Daddy's Lotro Guide. Um, I have talked about the site previously, an endless source of interesting and useful information. And he posted an article recently on how to craft essences after release 19.2, uh, discussing how to utilize the new essence ingredients that drop from the following sources. You can get them in the featured instance boxes, which I'm sure is uh, where most people are getting them. Uh, the Throne of the Dread Terror Raid drops them, Forager's Baskets in North Athelion, and at the Yule Festival in the Sack of Presence, and presumably perhaps other seasonal festivals as well, will have these as rewards going forward. And uh, so you've probably seen some of this stuff, like, for example, a scrap of Athelian cloth, a pinch of Athelian spices, a bolt of Athelian or a buckle of Athelian metal or whatever the case may be, one for each crafting profession. Um, this article is needed. As a matter of fact, we might need a new one that includes references on a, how to make wild Athelian essences that premiered recently. I mean, this picture is getting muddier and muddier, in my opinion. In fact, in a lot of cases, 
I'm still crafting gold level tier 8 Farinorian essences because although it's still somewhat of a pain in my dwarf tukus, I know how to do it using long lost coins for recipes from first instance runs, uh, getting uh, essence boxes from Farinorian uh, rep hand-ins, and uh, the delta in stats as you go to the North Athelian stuff is fairly marginal. I mean, I know you should always use it if it's easy, but they're not making it easy in my opinion. Speaking of marginal stat increases, the armor sets available since Minas Tirith came out are also getting more and more confusing. First, of course, you had your Nadine, set, Nadine sets from Dal Amroth, <clears throat> your first slotted sets that most people picked up using um, either as drops in that area or uh, doing Dull Amroth dailies for the better ones. Uh, so you could get drop sets and then do daily sets from Dull DA. Then you had Minas Tirith sets that were barterable. Uh, then you had Pelinor Raid sets. Then you had Supreme Upgradable Pelinor Raid sets. Now you have Athelion sets. You've got Flower Power sets, which we talked about in the last podcast. Uh, you know, in a lot of cases, the difference is like 30 or 40 of one stat, like big deal, or maybe 100 armor points, and just a clean set of four or five essence slots to fill in with the latest and greatest. So, you know, in some cases you end up holding on to one upgrade piece for each slot and each tune, waiting to see if you generate enough essences to fill it and cut over. Um, if you have a set that has a set bonus, you have to weigh the marginal stat increase of a one-piece upgrade versus losing the set bonus uh, previously, which in a lot of cases is prohibitive. So as Dennis Miller would say, I don't want to go off on a rant here, but if you do every quest in Frostbluff to get 10 quests for the day on one tune, you can trade in for a bag that gets you between 1 and 3, but in my experience it's never 3, uh, Athelian Essence Fragments. Not even Athelian Essence, Fragments. So when you get 4, potentially 4 date straight days of grinding every quest on one tune, mind you, you can get one North Athelian Essence box, which will likely need to be upgraded to be useful, because it may open up teal, may open up gold. And if you do that five times, you can complete festive the Festive Fury quest, which will earn you again one scrap of an Essence Reclamation scroll when you need three or four to get one scroll, as well as an Athelian Essence ingredient, which requires a bunch of crap for Daddy's Guide to craft an Essence, which will likely need to be upgraded as well. <sighs> I'm tired of just reading it. I'm kind of done with it at this point. So, you know, can you just drop me a good Essence as a reward on a decently common basis? and just let me use it or replace another one I own without using a reclama reclamation scroll, sigh. You know, the essence reclamation scrolls, for me, are turning out to be one of the hardest things to find in game. I think I have three in the vault. I've been holding on to them and not using them, obviously, in anything tier 7, but um, trying not to use them whenever possible. Uh, they are rare drops uh, from what I have seen. And, uh, yeah, that makes it a uh, big hassle. So, there's that. What are we doing again? Community Spotlight. So, check out Dottie's Lotro Guide if you want to see some uh, very straightforward look at how to make some of those recipes and what you need uh, to get them done. Uh, spotlight number two. I wanted to mention that um, the Tokian Professor is now lecturing in-game regarding uh, detailed chapters from Lord of the Rings. I think he started chapters one through three this past week. And he's going to be doing them on a weekly basis, I believe. 
uh, it was actually fairly late on a Monday. If I'd re- I thought it was earlier in the day and I missed it. <laughs> As it turned out, I missed it because I thought it was earlier in the day. Uh, but it was something like 7 to 9 on uh, Monday night. And uh, he's uh, working closely with uh, Standing Stone Games on this. <laughs> Ooh, that doesn't roll off the tongue. Um, because they are going to create for him a lecture hall in game in Bree, a scholars lecture hall for him to do you know specifically for him to do these podcasts but for general use across the population as well which would be really nice because uh, I think he did the lecture in the open air and there was a lot of rigmarole going around the last time it was executed um, so the new scholars lecture hall is opening up across from the cat lady in Bree and I believe it should be coming out as of 19.2.2 which is due as I record this tomorrow morning morning uh will be even better in the new breed lower hall so i am hoping to catch one of those coming up it may be traveling server to server so you may have to create a burner tune to go over and check it out uh, but they're usually announcing it on on uh, lotra players and i'm sure there's info out there as well regarding the streaming on the lotra's twitch channel as well forums insider they have been, the forums have been all a tizzy over a little something that occurred over the holidays dealing with ownership, and I'll give my take on that later. So what are we going to do in this action-packed episode? We are going to, as always, talk a little bit about what we've been doing in-game these past few weeks. We'll discuss some rather momentous news from Turbine SSG. We will review and score our 2016 annual predictions, and we will perform unparalleled feats of prognostication around the year to come. Lastly, if we have any time remaining, we will pad out our runtime with useless and somewhat boring filler material. It's time to move to the third beacon, and for me to graft a little bit of a draft of ale. All right, clearly not back in the swing of things yet in 2017. Uh, one other thing I did want to mention, actually, uh, as I climbed into game to go to Frostbluff for uh, the setting up of LTB MEWHQ, um, I actually had a couple tells come through, uh, some folks in my can and just one or two other random players um, that uh, basically uh, were... Uh, giving me some uh, some attaboys and gratitude regarding uh, the latest episodes of Drunk Middle Earth Lore that uh, apparently were published out on YouTube. So I went out and took a look, and episodes one and two had been out there for some time, uh, but episode three was published yesterday, and uh, I was not aware of that. So very cool that it made it out onto the airwaves. I wasn't sure uh, when or if Endang would get around to posting that. Uh, you may remember Drunk Middle Earth Lore 3 stems from episode 56 of Light the Beacons. And uh, at the time, of course, we were discussing the Dwarves of the Blue Mountains, which was awesome. So um, the cool thing about that, hold on, someone just linked a really cool cosmetic in game. I got to check it out. Ooh, that is nice. Mm-hmm. I'm going to have to grab that. wonder where you get it. Um... So distracted today. So uh, check out parody of Middle Earth lore, chapter three, uh, the Dwarves of the Blue Mountains on Andang's channel. He'd appreciate your support. Um, there are a couple comments already on the cast. Uh, some people that thought it was rather amusing. So I was glad to hear that. And uh, someone was asking for chapter four, which of course is about Rivendork. 
So I don't know when or if I will be going there. But uh, hopefully they'll publish a Chapter 5 soon. And uh, we can check that out. So we are at the third beacon of Nardal to talk about other games. Other games is a in important section to cover around the Christmas holidays uh, or the holidays in general. Uh, Pokemon Go, I'm not talking about, except to note uh, my coolest catch this week was a cloister, which is an upgrade from a shelter. It's as far as I'll go on that. DDO, I think I logged in once and spent an ability point, logged out. Secret World, Marvel Heroes, no, no, no. Um, some of you guys know I play Clash of Clans quite a bit, and some of you have chimed in and let me know that you had too. So, um, I will mention that Clash of Clans has a very cool uh, holiday slash Christmas theme that they that's they're kind of building on every year, and uh, you know they put snow on the ground and they change the look of some of the uh, buildings and so forth in town, and they randomly drop you know they randomly have sales where you can accelerate your resources for uh, single gems, which is always a nice uh, opportunity to do a bunch of upgrades and uh, growing your armies faster. And they've also dropped in some some treats this year. Um, a sleigh attack where Santa drops explosive presents over the side, uh, ice wizards as a temporary character, and a freeze trap. Uh, so cool stuff they do around the holidays, and uh, uh, usually a good time to make some significant progression. I am inching closer to thinking about upgrading my town hall. We will see. Uh, no Star Trek Online or Shadow of Mortar over the holiday. I have been on hiatus. I guess I just wasn't in a mortar, Mordor mood over the holidays. Uh, but I did finish, right before Christmas, I finished Drake Uncharted 3 on the PS3. Uh, that was satisfying, just the right level of challenge and fun introduction to uh, the lore of that character. Um, I started a next game that I had bought for a while back on sale for PS3, Bioshock. As a matter of fact, I got a combo of Bioshock and Bioshock Unlimited and started playing Bioshock and... Uh, First reaction, I haven't gotten very far yet, but my first reaction is that um, it is a pretty cool premise. Uh, I like the overall idea, and of course I love the aesthetics of the underwater city that it takes place in. Um, I'm not 100% sold on the actual combat and gameplay yet. Uh, I, you know, I'm getting better at it. I just, uh, you know, maybe not what I'm used to as some of the other games I've been playing recently. Uh, it is pretty challenging, I can tell you that, even at kind of standard difficulty level, find myself uh, perishing uh, quite a bit. One of the things that's difficult, if you're used to playing first-person shooters on a laptop, and you move across to the PS3, where you've got to maneuver your crosshairs using a joystick, that's a little bit of a <laughs> little bit of an adjustment. You know, the mouse, you can put it basically wherever you want it, almost immediately. And uh, the joystick on the PS3, not so much, especially if you're backing up or sliding or uh, ducking and covering or whatever you happen to be doing. But that is a cool game. I do intend to stick with it, although it's difficult. And here's why it's difficult. The Bragg household was graced with a PS4 unexpectedly over the Christmas holiday. So we now have in-house uh, Drake Uncharted 4, uh, Drake Uncharted 
two, which I think was a cheap pickup from um, some of the kids in the house. I uh, heard it was a fun game to go back and play. Uh, we have an addition of Overwatch in the house as well, as well as some party games uh, by a group called You Don't Know Jack. A lot of you may have played You Don't Know Jack over the years. They continue to polish that premise and make it more party and user-friendly on the latest platforms. And I still enjoy some of the new games on You Don't Know Jack, especially fun for, for family and friends that aren't big gamers. We've been playing a little bit of Overwatch in the Bragg household, and uh, it is well done. It's a good time. I'm not very good at it yet, but even when you're not that good, uh, they match you up with like-minded players. Uh, what I did notice is we have uh, two younglings in the house that are playing and myself, and I believe since you need a PlayStation prescription to play, there's only one character that you can play on. Now, they're trying to match you up with people of relevant experience. Uh, so my character is advancing as if three people were playing on it, but I'm only getting a third of the playtime. <laughs> Each of us is only getting a third of the playtime in that character. So I'm a little worried that it's going to start placing us in more difficult battles if the three of us keep playing uh, and we'll be collectively in somewhat over our head. So uh, I have to look into whether or not I can create different characters under the same PlayStation Network Pass. Uh, but I'm afraid and worried that might not be possible. Uh, so that could be challenging over time. Uh, I guess our ratings will have something to do with it as well. Um, so far I'm attracted to the characters Hanzo, which is the archer. It's kind of scout sniper archer. Uh, I like the healer Lucio and, um, uh, and the tank Reinhardt. Uh, although I started playing another one, I think she's called uh, May, where she is inside of a battle bot, and then when your battle bot dies, you can jump out and become a quicker sharpshooter until you get killed. So there's lots of fun characters in there. The graphics are good. Uh, the locations are good. I'm starting to see some uh, replay on the same locations, but I'm sure it'll be easy for them to add to them over time. Uh, there's lots of characters to pick from. I don't know how to play half of them yet, or I've never even tried half of them yet. Just trying to get good on a couple so I can choose between different things. But it is a quality game, and I could see uh, investing some time in it uh, going forward. It is, uh, it is fun. I should probably do some of the training instead of just jumping right in and playing. Uh, so maybe we'll try that at some time. Uh, Drake Uncharted, Rise of the Tomb Raider. Someone in the house is playing Rise of the Tomb Raider. I'm watching right now. It looks very similar to the last game uh, uh, that I played on PC. Uh, very very similar gameplay. A uh, whole new storyline, obviously, and settings, um, which is engaging enough. Uh, that should be enough. That was a good enough game that I would do it just for that. Hopefully, there's some new wrinkles in gameplay as well based on the uh, additional developments. Uh, so lots of fun new stuff to play with in the Bragg household moving forward. Uh, what have we been doing from a Lotro perspective? Drinking ale. Uh, Bragg has uh, reached 49,400 morale as his uh, base build. And if you hit your Warrior's Heart skill... Um, it boosts up to about 71k for 20 seconds, which is nice to get through a barrage attack for a big raid. So 50k is kind of the barometer for having your tank go out into tier 2 challenge content. And I think I'm pretty close to ready. If I get one more essence upgrade or one more bracelet upgrade or something along those lines, I'll be over that kind of uh, DiMaggio line, I think they call it. <laughs> uh, so... 
um, I'm excited to try brag out on Tier 2 Challenge uh, Silent Streets as well as uh, Wrath of Question, 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 uh, Throne of the Dead, tra Dread Terror Raids going forward. And I'll let you know how he does at 49,400 morale. But nice little benchmark. Took me long enough to get there, I know. Uh, I have seen wardens and even captains running around with 65k, uh, guards running around with 65k. So, still not near the top of the heap, but hopefully good enough to do the content I want to do. Uh, I did run brag on uh, uh, Black Serpent Run, uh, Tier 2 ch challenge with, with no heals. We had a Berg and an Archer. Uh, so that was a little challenging not to have heals in that instance, uh, but we did it pretty handily. Uh, so I've done helm and shoulder upgrades on Bragg in the last uh, couple weeks and working on polishing his essences a bit. And he is the only character I've taken through the Winter Festival and done the uh, five days of ten quests a day for Wild Athelian Essences quest. Uh, and uh, stuff I have bought, mostly uh, I'm looking in the sack of presents for Hobby Horse, which will, of course, never, ever happen. Uh, but I did get the new horse from the Winter Festival, and it is pretty looking. Uh, you probably all have it. You, you all see how great it is. It's got the glowing candles and the antlers and um, just, you know, beautiful drapery and just wonderful job they did on it. So very excited picking that up on almost all my tunes. And I also grabbed some nice uh, robes and headpieces as well from a cosmetic standpoint. So a couple good new things out of the Winter Festival this year. My Cappy uh, ran a couple Tier 2 Challenge Silent Streets. Uh, just crystal drops no no hilts for me unfortunately and uh, also have been running a few um, throw to the dread terror tier one on my cappy uh, mostly just wrath of crash at this point uh, but uh, did multiple runs last week I did multiple runs with my captain for a pug uh, that failed 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 because we had a bunch of new characters that had never done it before and then we succeeded on our sixth try and that was with a lot of newbies so here's to uh, the folks who stuck it out in a pug and made it work on the sixth try it's very satisfying to get the boss down at that level uh, at that point and uh, you know that's a, always a satisfying experience when you can take a pug stick with it not quit and finally get over the top and make it happen um, if you can rent with your kin though I recommend it <laughs> My lore master has done all the flower power intro where you go back to Minas Tirith and pick up your little helper from the Houses of Healing, take her all over North Athelion, uh, and actually ran uh, the featured instance Hod Valandal last week as a healer. <laughs> he was the only healer in the raid, and uh, I kept us alive through the flaming reflections uh, on the after the Shin Grinder boss. Um, which was challenging as a lore master healer, uh, but did a pretty good job on that. Uh, my Berg has been doing some featured instance runs as well, and uh, put together a new outfit for her using the new Winter Festival coat. My Hunter is, uh, I believe, finished. No, she is next in line for the Old Anorian class trade points, and my last 105 to go through and try to pick those up. I'm um, starting to think about upgrading my Hunter's allies to 
level 100 imbued from where they are now. I think I've got a first age 95 and a second age 100. And, you know, I could probably get by with those given how much content I run with my hunter indefinitely. But it just seems like the scrolls of empowerment are a big waste if you're putting them on uh, second age 100s. I don't know. You know, I've done the rest, so I guess it's her turn. Whenever I pick up the, uh, the uh, Elder King symbols, I will probably get that done. My Bjorning, I've been taking a break on after doing some deed grinding. Uh, first first Virtue is up to 19. Rest are between 13 and 14. So I'll probably maybe go back every other week or so and try to drive another Virtue to 19. My champ has been hanging in Moria. Last we spoke, he was level 52, but he is now she is now level 56. And uh, doing some Grand Stairs runs. Recently made the big run down to Enerzerkim and uh, the Orc Watch with her and picked up a first of all I ran the Grand Stairs uh, full run for deeds and quests and then went to the work watch and forgot that there were all the quests down there to pick up before you want to do that so I'll probably be doing a couple more Grand Stairs runs with uh, with her uh, and trying to grind out some of those quests around uh, that area for the other instances uh, you know, otherwise you get bogged down with quests. Your quests will get so filled up, as I've talked about before. Uh, try to do the instance quests in Moria that you won't have room for anything else. So we got to clear some of those out and break the logjam. My RK. Last we spoke uh, was, f I can't remember if I've shared that he, she, uh, he was up to level 50. I think level 54. Two or fifty-four at this point. So some of those middle tunes starting to creep up now. Uh, my RK to get to level fifty did Angmar, Angmar, and more Angmar, especially northern Angmar, all around Garth Fourth near in the gates of Karn Doom. Uh, obviously, you know, as part of that, got the Femar. You know, there's so much happening at that level. I you forget. It, it, last time you took a, a character th through levels 42 through 45, it's probably the most exciting time in the game, I think, beyond reaching level cap. I would say it's better. Here's why. First of all, you get to do Angmar. Sorry to people that don't like it. You get to earn your fam armor set out of Og Hair, which is a great quest line. You open up the, um, using the hearts of the watchers, you open up the, the line of death across Angmar. Your class quests spawn. Uh, you're picking up book pages uh, from a number of different regions in the game. You're seeing off the fellowship in Rivendell. Uh, you get, get your allies after opening up Moria at level 45. You go through the Moria prologue. There's new skirms and instances that open up between 45 and 50. Uh, it's, an, it's one of the most exciting times in the game with the most going on at any point in terms of class progression until you reach level cap. Um, so that was fun doing that on an RK. Uh, and I took my RK to celebrate through a full run of Urugarth with on-level tunes for the most part in between level 48 and 54, I think was the highest we had, and healed it on my RK, which is the first healing, major healing I've done, group healing I've done with the RK since way back in the level 25 Great Barrow days. So that was kind of fun to practice healing on the RK. It's a very different feel. And here's my tip of the week that I picked up on running Urugarth with my RK. I was running with a player that uh, obviously has been playing game quite a bit and actually knew more than me about one or two things in the instance I hadn't seen before, such as the new secret back door to the arena fight with Lagmus. This is not new except to me, 
apparently he's been in the game since inception. And the guy was worried. He didn't want me to talk about it uh, on the web because he's afraid the devs might fix it. First of all, I think our devs aren't that stupid. This is a harmless. This is no. This is not an exploit. It's a harmless uh, exploration kind of fun little thing you can do, which doesn't harm gameplay at all. And uh, you know why take those interesting little tidbits and hidden Easter eggs out of the game? So if you go into the final boss room and beat yeah, whatever his name is, who's got the crows in Urugarth, um, after you finish him off. Uh, and do a little walkabout. If you head north to the northeast corner of the map, um, there's a little area where you can jump up on a ridge uh, for a pillar and then uh, basically scale up the pillar and drop over the side of the wall, which puts you on a cliff base outside of the castle, uh, which allows you to jump down into the arena area, overlooking the arena where you do, I think it's Lagmas, where you do the fight with... Uh, uh, with the Uruk boss uh, just to the north of the final boss area. So there's the arena in Urugarth, and you can basically jump down and hang out inside the arena, looking down into the arena and watching the other people in your party do the fight if you wanted to. Uh, so that was kind of neat. I'd never seen anyone do that before. It's always cool to find something like that in a game that you think you know that well. And if you ever run the instance with me, I'm happy to show you where that little secret passage is. Devs, don't fix it. Luckily, no devs listen to this podcast. They're smarter than that. Uh, my warden, I think, has made level 30. He ran the North Cotton Farms, which got him up to 35, and I think maybe on 36. So he's been doing a bunch of floss buff, frost bluff. I want to say floss bluff for some reason. Is everyone flossing their bluff out there? Um, did North Cotton Farms, which got him a level or two, and then got another one running Yule stuff recently. So I think he's at level 35 now. And uh, so everybody is developing here. Other Tokyo news. Nope, I need to get back to reading Unfinished Tales and some of my other books reading about the Inklings. Uh, but in the meantime, was there any, to- any other Tokyo gift for Christmas I can think of? Maybe not this year. Maybe not this year. But um, that's enough about what we've been doing in Lotro. Let's move on to an exciting topic in the history of turbine development. Okay, first of all, I want to welcome to the Lotro universe uh, Standing Still Games. Nope, just kidding. Not Standing Still. Standing Stone Games. What? Like Stonehenge? The, the, uh, you know, the, the fact that it was in danger of being trampled by dwarves tends to understate the hugeness of the object. So, the ownership changed to Standing Stone Games. Uh, big news, obviously. Unexpected news. I don't think anyone saw this coming based on the comments I saw around the forums and around the web. So how are people reacting to this? I think there's an equal balance between what I like to call hand ringers, well-wishers, and chicken littles. So let's first let's talk about the well-wishers. Here's some of the things uh, that people are saying that are well-wishers and that have a positive spin on what's going on. Uh, first of all, there's congratulations to the new owners of Lotro and DDO. And they are owners indeed, perhaps for the first time. Um, you know, it's a smaller company. It's the same developers uh, that have been on the game. 
that split off to form this group. And uh, it's it, pretty exciting. I think it shows a great deal of initiative on their part to do that. It's probably a little scary. Uh, but I don't think they're going in with their eyes closed regarding this. I think they have to understand that, uh, you know, what the revenue streams look like and what the, you know, the uh, cycle the game is in now and where it's going and uh, you know have a business plan I'm sure they've done that right <laughs> you've done that right <laughs> okay um, so the well wishers are offering congratulations to uh, the devs that they've interacted with on the venture of their new company it's, it's always exciting to start out with a new company and uh, hopefully uh, most of the people stuck around for the right reasons uh, they felt like uh, the future there was bright and maybe more in their control. Uh, there's a hopefulness involved with the well-wishers that uh, this will allow some things to be done with the game maybe that you wouldn't have seen under Warner Brothers or that there'll be more creative freedom or more budget freed up in some cases, whatever the case may be. You know, I think the fear of the big company hanging over your head is gone. And it, it sounds like more of a... Uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, a project of, uh, you know, a love project as opposed to a job. Um, there's a better way to say that, but can't think of it right now. Um, second, you know, thirdly, there's a focus on MMOs, right? Which was not where Warner Brothers was going. They were doing, um, moving towards MOBA games, and not very well, I might add. But uh, MMOs were less and less the focus of their development uh, group and the way they were moving. So hopefully this is back to a labor of love. That's the word I was looking for. And, and, and maybe with more latitude for projects without corporate profit margins in the balance. Uh, there's also the chestnut that license renewals had taken place as uh, part of these transactions, which has been a sort of Damocles hanging over the Lotro player base for some time. And uh, I even heard there were rumors that uh, some familiar faces that had left Turbine uh, might be back now with Standing Stone Games, which would be exciting to see, uh, depending on who they are, of course. So what are the doomsayers or Chicken Little saying? Um, they're saying, first of all, it's a smaller company, so it's subject to more volatility. Uh, if there's a sudden downturn in the market for whatever reason, it might not be able to ride that out, right? So you could be looking at the end of the company, end of the game more abruptly than you would uh, it, than if Big Brother was kind of behind them with the deep pockets if needed. Um, you know, they were saying, uh, obviously, there's speculation that they're aging games, which might imply a dwindling revenue base, which might be difficult for a new company to work with. Uh, obviously, at some point, they've got to get some new revenue streams in. Hopefully, the revenues from Lotro and DDO are stable, and uh, they can find a way to grow revenues over time because every co company needs to grow at least a modicum in order to stay vital. Uh, Doomsayers are concerned about the involvement of Daybreak as the publishers because uh, they had bad experiences with how they treated their former game that they loved, X, Y, or Z. And uh, I'd say much more the doomsayers are, you know, we're saying this before this happened, and it's just same stuff, different day, saying it after. So uh, kind of a broken record type of uh, an approach. Um, you know, is there a grain of truth? You know, if they keep saying it forever, eventually they'll be right. I think that's the way they're looking at it. Uh, the hand ringers is the last category. Those that hope for the best but fear for the worst. Uh, you know, maybe a fear of change, uncertainty of volatility, 
uh, you know, and they have a lot at stake with their game to be able to think rationally. And, uh, you know, mostly they're you know, probably our peers. <laughs> Just kidding, our peers. I love you. So what's my take? You know, there, there are games out there uh, that have been running forever as basic MMOs. You know, EverQuest Next, Dark Age of Camelot, Conan, you know, whatever. Games that have been around for, you know, uh, what's the other one? Uh, Asheron's Call. Games that have been around for decades at this point. Uh, you know, uh, seven, eight, nine years longer than Lotro even, I think. Um, however, the problem is that Lotro is a big name IP. That's the piece that makes it different. At some point, somebody somewhere is going to think they can get a bigger or better return on investment out of a big name IP like Lotro, uh, like Lord of the Rings, than what they're getting out of Lotro. But with the MMO market apparently shrinking, there's fewer games being introduced, at least it seems, while others are dying off slowly. Maybe another. Uh, MMO of this type will not be in the offing anytime soon. Um, a world as detailed and expansive as the one that was created by Turbine and now Standing Stone Games is not easily replaced. Um, I think the best option we can hope for might be, uh, you know, an engine upgrade or relaunch. Uh, I don't think that's likely, but I'm not ruling it out. I think it's possible. Uh, I do think that we have a better chance now of getting past Mordor than we did before and into some, you know, even beyond the scouring of the shore, beyond the books, into some of the other corners of Middle-earth where uh, the SSG storytellers will have a little more latitude to uh, put together interesting narratives. Um, did you hear we might get new character portraits with Mordor? <laughs> no one saw that coming. Has anyone noticed that there seems to be uh, a renaissance lately with nostalgic articles in the game, massively, and others. Um, an influx of people returning to the game. A Twitch stream that is flourishing. I was listening to an MMO podcast by, by the MMO Troll, who's on the podcast, and uh, he indicated that you know he does YouTube uh, streams for uh, many different games, but uh, he found out by uh, just chance and experiment that uh, his views tend to grow exponentially when he does videos on Lotro versus other games. You know, it again, the player base is awesome. We all know how awesome we are, right? All the viewers out there are awesome, and you know you're not viewers. But think of the big wish list item. You know, this is the area of optimism as well. Think of the big wish list items that the devs have been slowly but surely ticking off over the last few years. Imbued weapons. A new PVMP map, whether you like it or not, is another point of discussion. Housing revamps, or a new housing area. Return to raiding and instance clusters. The Bjorning class, the collections functionality, new itemization, featured instances. Berg and Hunter DPS suck? Well, at least a slight buff bat provided. World transfers and server consolidation? Check done and done well. I found my own gameplay revitalized through the combination of servers and the reinvigoration of the population. Uh, not to mention the departure from blanket horses over the last year or so. They are on a roll with horses from the festival. We've had probably five or six of the best horses in the game over the last five or six festivals that I've seen. Um, you know, this is stuff that people are complaining about. What I see is... Um, 
a development group that's listening and doing what they can when they can. Uh, and that, I think, is very important for a game's vitality. So now, if we can just get some incremental improvement on lag issues for some of the people that are having issues in that area, I think everybody, read nobody, will be happy. So that's my take on the move to Standing Stone Games. I, for one, cautiously excited. As a dwarf should be. The fifth beacon of Minrimon, and now the original word from our sponsor segment. Uh, as uh, this episode dawns in 2017, I want to give it a thanks out to all of our 2016 sponsors. Those sponsors included the Sarah O'Card Foundation for Slow Moving Children, or Safamska, Real, Real Shield Maidens of Edoras, Crazy Thorog's Blowout Heligrod Sale, Barrowbury, Thornley's Construction Company, Worm Tongue's Palantir Bolorama, a super callous, fragile mystic plagued with halitosis. The silent, silent street speedy sanitation services. Phil Gashin's diner. Quaker Oathbreakers. Lifestyles of the rich and famous visits the fabulous Bay of Belfast. Humphrey running political ad, and the committee to help build Istron's Underwall. Uh, thanks to one and all for supporting the podcast. If you uh, want to chime in and let me know which of those was your favorite, would love to hear from you either on Twitter or out on the site at lightthebeacons.com. With that, we'll move into predictions. The sixth beacon of Galadhead. Why am I talking like this? You don't know. That's too bad. I'm going to keep doing it. No, you're not. Okay, sorry about that. The new microphone has me a little giddy. Uh, let's move into 2016 predictions. Uh, is this the third annual? Fourth annual? How long have I been doing this podcast? You know how this works. I made a bunch of vague and pointless guesses, and then I find a way to claim that they were true at the end of the year to pat myself on the back for how smart I am. So let's look at the 2016 top 10 predictions list. Number 10. MMO Reporter goes into hyperdrive without the pantsless slouch Leonor weighing it down and records its 500th episode by the Winter Festival. Okay, maybe the exact opposite will happen. Listen, I love the people over at MMO Reporter. They have been going on longer than anybody. They branched out and built a wonderful network over there. Uh, they are great people, and they are amusing, and they love the game. But... Uh, they've fallen off this past year. There's no doubt about it. I think they fell off uh, a little bit after Leonor, uh, before Leonor left. They just seemed to be distracted. They had too many other things going on. Um, Leonor was too busy playing games during the podcast, and it wasn't as informative. And Carrie, um, you know, is a casual player. She doesn't know as deeply about the game as some of the other people they'd had on in the past. Uh, I liked it when. Um, they brought back their lead. Uh, oh, gosh. Oh, I feel bad. Um, Chris. Uh, I thought that helped uh, bring him back on, but obviously he's got a lot of other commitments, and they haven't able, been able to sustain their schedule over time. So um, I am still going to listen. I'm still going to be a fan. I still support those guys. Um, but... After how many episodes? Oh my gosh, I think they've got like 300 by now, something. Um, you know, it's uh, obviously running out of a little bit of steam at this point. Uh, not to their fault, to their credit, 
for what they've done over time. Applause to them. But it's not the podcast it was. Um, Number nine, this is the best raid of all time. All of my dreams have come true, and I cannot ask for anything more. Turbine is so wonderful, says no low true forms poster ever. Okay, so that was the prediction. In my mind, uh, the raid has not been without issues, obviously, but seems to have been generally very well received and a very popularly run piece of content. Uh, I think it's revitalized rating in the game. It's brought back instances. It's given people a uh, goal to strive for in terms of character development and uh, you know makes gives a purpose to the grind. So uh, applause to Termine. I hope to see more all of the raid in this coming year, which I have not uh, done to date due to the difficulty of some of the content beyond the first couple bosses. But it's going to come. It always does. Uh, number eight. Horn is saved at the last minute when the lead graphic designer and epic story author both simultaneously suffer massive heart attacks. The MMO cartoon peril was no more. Yes, I wrote that. Yes, I wrote that a year ago. Holy crap, this actually happened. (laughs) I don't believe it. I read this and I was like, oh my God, they actually did this. It was... Okay, so as you guys know, depending on what you do, the decision you make on whether to bring uh, Halberad with you from the Shire impacts whether or not, spoiler alert, Horn survives the Battle of Pelennor. Uh, but he did not originally, and they came out with a branch of logic where he did. <laughs> and there were people that were mad. They thought it was uh, against the lore since um, the poem uh, that Glowline writes clearly says that Horn is listed amongst the dead in the Pelennor fields and everybody else listed died. Uh, but, uh, you know, I thought they tried at least to justify it in a certain fashion saying kind of, you know, the Horn we knew is no more. This is a new Horn who's going to, you know, go off and hopefully find Nona and his child. I still think um, as we backtrack towards the scouring of the Shire, we'll probably close out that storyline Um uh, Hopefully, to uh, hopefully in one of two ways, depending on what you've done. So, if you bring multiple characters through, make different choices, so you can see both those storylines. But I predicted that a year ago. I could not believe that. That may be the big one of this prediction list. Number seven: Pukul Man Stone Golems become the eleventh playable class in Lotro. Anyone for Pukul play? Okay, so they didn't introduce any new classes yet, but it's coming. Just you wait. This is to be continued. Either that or the Druidin class, which I've been projecting for quite some time. Number six, expanding universe theory dictates that 22 new servers are added back to the game after the ring is destroyed in the Big Bang. Okay, Big Bang has not happened yet. Ring is not destroyed yet. This is to be continued. Number five, housing revamp is slated for fall quality of life release, including the ability to become a hobbit slumlord during the scouring of the Shire. There was a housing revamp added. They gave us a bunch more hooks. And I strongly suspect Hobbit Slumlord is running the Belfalas Estates. So I think I nailed this one. Number four, mounted combat instances included in the new raid cluster for the Pelennor Fields, including the ability to move your warsteed frame by frame like a claymation figurine or simulating a bullet time slow motion dodging maneuver as in the Matrix. So what I was saying is that there would be mounted combat in an instance in the Pelennor Fields and that it would be laggy. <laughs> I nailed this one as well, which is why most people fight the second section of the Battle of the Black Serpent instance on foot. Uh, but 
that's another big one. I think I'm doing pretty well here. These are real. You can go back and look at the podcast from a year ago. Number three, new collections. In 2016, new collections will be published, including Hobnanigans, Trophies, World Chat Trolls, and of course, Expansion Packs. Collect them all. Well, we got horse stables instead, so there were new collections in 2016. Number two, a new festival is wedged somewhere between the anniversary event, Spring Festival, and Farmer's Fair. It's called the Black Friday Equinox, celebrating the annual slashing of Turvine's development staff. Ouch. Well, our new festival turned out to be the So Long Warner Brothers Fair. And lastly, number one. The steward of Angmar, who was revealed as Mordrith, who was then reborn as Gothmog, who was then found out to actually be Erner, the last king of Gondor, turns out in the end to be none other than Bill Fernie. I knew it! Okay, has anyone seen them both in the same room together? <laughs> Aha! I'm just saying. And with that in our pocket, let's turn our eyes to predictions for 2017. Here, without further ado... Our brag, the prognostic orders. What? Prognostic order? Really? Predictions for 2017. Grima, edit that out, will you please? No, I can't do it. Shut up and do it. No, I won't. Okay. Uh, number one, Minus Morgul will feature a new form of content. It will closely resemble an arcade game of Centipede with various Shelab spawned creepy crawlies coming down at you from the steps of Kirith Ungle. You heard it here. Number two. On the plains of Daggerlad, uh, war bands will include an Immorton Joe Sand Dune Hot Rod from Mad Max Fury Road, surrounded by war boys and polecats. Okay, so that one's a little out there, but think about how cool that would be. Uh, number three, new Lotro Avatar revamps to include Kiss-style facial tattoos for Bjornings. That would be awesome. I want to be Ace Frehley. Number four, lifetime subs offered for the price of a junior estate in the Bay of Belfalas. Number five, Standing Stone Games commemorates their new ownership by placing a Stonehenge-like structure on the top of Weathertop. The Weatherstock crowds slash rowdy music caused the structure to collapse, killing hundreds in one catastrophic blow. Number six, Shelob Raid. Okay, I've predicted this like five times over the last 18 months, but now it's really going to happen. Number seven, Eagle Rides. Notice I did not say Eagle Mounts. Eagle Rides. You heard it here. Number eight. At the end of 2017, Mordruth will have the Rangers trussed and tied in a semicircle and will threaten to bludge one of them to death in 2018 with a barbed wire wrapped, first age, level 100, imbued two-handed club. Number nine. Four. SSG fixes all lag issues everywhere for everybody at any time. The player base complains the new streamlined experience is too smooth and seamless and just doesn't feel like Lotro anymore. Number 10, new store offering, the Gift of the Valar Ultimate Edition, will create your character, auto-level it to 105 with all virtues, class trait points, allies, armor, and essences, and place it on the edge of the cracks of doom, so you only have to use the slash shove emote on Gollum in order to win the game. That's it for my 2017 predictions. What are yours? Put them out there, and I will read them. It's going to be a great year for the game. What's in your wallet, and how can you give it to SSG? It is time for closing. I am at the seventh beacon of Halifurion for the first time in 2017. It's time for Blessed Relief. 
It brings us to the end of the 60th episode of Light the Beacons. I would love to hear your plugs, feedback, rants, diatribes, and most of all, your constructive critique. You can contact me at bragsonofbalan at gmail.com. That's brag with two A's. The second A stands for anodyne. Facebook or Twitter at bragsonofbalan or my website at lightthebeacons.com where you can post comments directly on the podcast. I kindly request that you take the time to create an iTunes review. If perhaps chance you are so inclined, I would very much appreciate it. I would appreciate it. If your comments incite me to forego dwarven apathy, I'll include them in the next podcast or at least respond in some way. So I hope you laughed either at or with me. Hope you might have learned at least a little something you didn't know before or perhaps looked at the game with a slightly different perspective. Most of all, I hope you had a wonderful holiday and a wonderful New Year's in Middle Earth. This is Bragg, son of Balin, signing off. Uk Kazad, which means I'm going to stick this axe so far up your butt you can pick your teeth with it. And remember, the next time you open up your sack of daily presents at the Winter Festival to receive your 47th wintry cap, don't despair. Light the beacons. Or you could knit them together into a really nice long scarf. Great talking to you guys again. Let me know. Damn, this is really going to need some editing. I'm talking about a shit. Learn how you gotta learn how to do it this year. You're useless.